Hello, this is Amanda Watkins, and I am an associate producer at the Alliance Theater. I also have the great joy of overseeing the Alliance Candida National Graduate Playwriting Competition. I believe I am a new voice around these podcasts, but it's certainly my pleasure to be here because here at the Alliance, we prioritize and celebrate emerging playwrights, and new stories that crack open our hearts and minds. I am so excited to share with you all my conversation with Stephen Brown, the winner of this year's competition and the playwright of The Many Wondrous Realities of Jasmine Starkid. Hello, Wadi. How are you doing? Thank you for introducing me. That was such a nice introduction. People also call me Wadi. This is something I'm trying to get to, to catch on here at the Alliance. It's catching on, though. It's catching on. And this show is actually cementing it, I think, because okay. the designers are calling me Wadi. Um, here's a question I have not asked you before. Oh, no. uh, this is my favorite part of my job is making these phone calls to writers. (laughs) Tell me what that experience was like when I called you to tell you you won. Um, I remember it vividly because I've never won anything before. And I have known about the Candida competition since 2010 um, because that's when I moved to New York to pursue playwriting. And so I was looking around at like all the different things you could apply to. And I was so jealous that I couldn't apply to the Candida competition because I wasn't in graduate school. Um, but like the names of the people who have won the Candida are like, you know, etched into my mind from like Mike Liu, who went to Juilliard and won around that time, to Madri Shaker, uh, Eleanor Burgess, um, Eleanor Pipes. Like the names of the people. They've all had such great careers, and I've read all their work, and I love their work. So even when I got into graduate school and applied to the Candida, there was no idea that I was going to win. My top hope was like, if I could just be a finalist, that would be the best thing Mm. ever. Um, And I also was writing this play that I applied with like while I was getting married, so I had no time to write it, and I had to deliver it to class on the day of the deadline so I just finished it in time and then sent it off right on the day that it was due and then totally forgot about it. And so when you called me a couple months later and told me that I had won, like there's this joke that you receive news and then you fall down. <laughs> and I never thought that was real, but I fell down on, on the floor of my apartment and could not believe what, I'm pretty sure I cussed out loud, uh, which I regret now. <laughs> and you're not really a cusser. I'm not really a cusser. <laughs> and I was like, you know, great first impression uh-huh. to give to you. <clears throat> um, yeah, it was like still one of the coolest things that's ever happened. I love that you mentioned finalists because um, certainly the past couple of years, and I think maybe COVID kind of started this because we were, um, I was even more determined to create relationships with the writers. What's interesting about the finalists is that often those are the folks with whom I'm continuing a mentoring process. Mm. 
because when you win the fancy prize, you have a premiere on a big stage and the career takes off. So no pressure, but that's what happens. And, and often with the finalists, you know, we become so close because we're working so closely on their play, very much one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And so we're continuing these conversations about finding representation and other places mm. to apply with the play. So um, I did just want to lift up those four finalists and and what's interesting this next year coming up it was such a hard decision yeah that i now have really seven relationships because there were a couple of writers that i reached out to and i said i just need to tell you how hard this decision was and i love your play and can maybe talk about it um so this is a bit of a repeat question but i loved the conversation we were last night this idea of writing what you know mm -hmm. we we had a uh, an audience that had some science uh, teachers and educators sprinkled in the audience last night and it was so fun for them to see this play about a middle school science teacher who is the father of this tech genius with a brain that is unlike anyone else's and I ask you this question about like what is your relationship to science? Like, what kind of science student were you? How much research did you have to do? How much research did you prevent yourself from doing so that you'd be able to suspend disbelief and, as the playwright, believe the own words you were writing? I think that's, like, really interesting to me. So what was that research process look like? And, and where in your crafting of the story did you say, this is going to have to be okay? Um, from the very beginning, I knew that I wasn't going to uh, uh, get a good enough understanding of science. <laughs> I just know very quickly what my limitations are and uh, how much I can like make up and yeah. fake. Yeah. Um, and really, I'm like, if I we can just... I need to learn my limitations. <laughs> Thank you for that reminder. Really, I'm like, if we can just go fast enough in the play, no one will be able to ask questions. And that's really what we're going for here because I knew that I wanted to do time travel in the play. Like I am obsessed with the spectacle mm -hmm. on stage, particularly in an intimate environment and just being an audience member uh, of something otherworldly that happens right in front of your eyes. Yes. Um, I think that is like one of the like greatest magics of theater is being able to do something that you do not expect, like technically right. uh, with science on stage that I don't think you really see very often. And that was one of like, my biggest goals with this play. Um, and I was like, okay, what is the coolest theory for time travel that exists out there? And I found someone who talked about using lasers to do it. And I was like, <laughs> that's my guy. That's what we're doing. Because like in the article I read, there was like, you know, the paragraph at the end was like, <clears throat> given everything that we've said, none of this would actually ever work. And it's, you know, none of it's true. And I was like, we're gonna forget all that. And just like yeah. really try to convince the audience that this is going to work. Uh, so I added in a lot of fancy words to the yeah. actors' lines, like algorithm and, and projections. And I did the dramaturgy packet, in case anyone wants to know. These are real words with real definitions. These are real words, and I felt uh, I was very wor worried about being called out by your wonderful dramaturgy packet. That was very <laughs> I smart. I only did it once. <laughs> there's, one, there's one part where... You put in a note like TS-83 suits, are these a real thing? I don't think so, right? And I, I was like, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> I, found, I found other uh, uh, incarnations of it. It was like, it was, really? it, yeah, it was just different numbers. I couldn't find that exact number. 
I think I think I got TS eighty three because I think that was a calculator we used back in yes. like middle school. Yes. And I didn't realize that's what I was calling back uh-huh. to. Uh-huh. But reading it over and over and over, I was like. Oh no, anyone my age is gonna know what I'm doing here. But see, but this leads me to my next um, question. What's so fun about the stage, especially when we're very inclusive of younger audiences, is that we're representing story, mm-hmm. right? And our imagination, I mean, I, I don't think we can actually travel in time yet, right? I, I don't, I'm sure that there's folks out there who can tell me I'm wrong about that. But we're already in this imaginative place. So I don't believe that the audience is ever going to question those things because we're, we're telling them from the get-go, time travel is not real. It wasn't until now, right? So right. that the stage for it. is what I'm hoping. Yeah. <laughs> that is what I'm really hoping. Like, please, let's go on the ride together. And I hope the, the very fun tone of the play yeah. makes us not question things too much. And that's what I mean. That's what's happening. Look at Jez Butterworth, his plays. Those are not realistic. So you're in good company. <laughs> yeah. Um, so TYA audiences. So this play is one of those unicorn magical plays where our audience is so wide because it will appeal to um, our normal subscriber database. Let's just say folks in their 50s. We'll just use that decade. Um, and it's actually going to be a wonderful offering for our theater for young audiences. You have this beautiful dedication on your title page for my future daughters. Whenever you may arrive. Am I yeah. That up? Uh, right. You're very close. Oh, shoot a duck. You're very close. I thought I had it. <laughs> you say shoot a duck. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, the dedication page is to my future daughters whenever you get here. Whenever you get here. Yeah. Um, so where do those future daughters show up in your play, even outside of Jasmine, knowing mm-hmm. younger people are really going to respond to this play? Yeah, you know, um, you know, I mentioned that I was writing this play uh, while I was getting married. Um, and my, you know, it's actually amazing I haven't mentioned my wife yet in this, in this talk because I talk about her a lot mm-hmm. uh, because I love her so much. Uh, she is like, oh man, just the greatest. Um, and so while we were getting married, we were, you know, we've been talking about having kids, what our family is going to look like. I am very convinced that we're going to have daughters, even though she is 100% convinced we're going to have twin boys. Um, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but, um, you know, Jasmine, the, the main character, who's this 12-year-old science prodigy, really came from this idea of, who our daughters are going to be uh, when they get here. And we are just 100% convinced that they're gonna be so much smarter than us and boss us around and do our taxes. When oh, they're like, they do my taxes. Exactly, exactly. They're gonna be like seven years old and know way yeah. more about the world than, yeah. than we know about. And so like this character of Jasmine really popped into my head uh, as someone that I thought was so funny. Um, and, uh, you know, the other part of it was that, you know, <clears throat> my wife is black, so we are in an interracial marriage. And, you know, my wife is also an amazing, brilliant playwright. And so the first thing that we talked about teaching our, our kids is like, what stories are we going to tell them? What stories are we going to share with them right. that we love? Right. 
And, um, you know, there really aren't any, like, adventure stories that I grew up on. Yes, that word, adventure. Yes, yes, these, like, fun adventures that, like, I grew up on that, like, my dad took me to, like, James Bond films, like, Armageddon, Mm. like, The Rock, like, Back to the Future. And I was like, God, I would love it if there were, like, adventure stories that, that had characters that were like the family that my wife and I have and mm-hmm. are going to have. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I really feel my work moving into a place of really centering interracial families. And so this was the first play that I wrote where I was like, I would love to have something that like I could share with our kids yeah. when they get here. Um, and so, yeah, like that dedication really kind of goes towards those two things of just like thinking about who our kids are going to be and then what stories we want to share with them. Yeah. Um, when I sat down to write the Between Us um, Forward article for this pro, this playbill, it was the easiest time I've ever had writing <laughs> those because I learned from Susan Booth to ask yourself the question, why this play, why this play now, and then answer that, and that is a good guide for what that um, Between Us article might want to look like. And um, it came fairly easily And to that, uh, one of my favorite things to do after a show, especially in previews, is go into the lobby and listen to conversations. Mm. And often you're getting sound bites of folks take away. In an, in an ideal world, and I bet it changes, this is such a packed question, but I really want your thoughts on this one for this play. What's the takeaway for an audience? Uh, I want to come back every night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so do I. That's also my takeaway. Yeah. Um, I really think that, you know, for me, when it comes to writing plays, and this isn't just Jasmine Starkid, this is kind of all my work, is like, I, I really want the audience to feel like a sense of joy and positivity and optimism, um, about the world and about their families Mm -hmm. and about everything, because, you know, we all talk about how like terrible the world is right now for many different reasons. And I feel like, you know, art reflects the world. And so a lot of art that we get these days reflects that. And that's, you know, very valid. And uh, like, those are stories that we need, but I just feel like there's such a dearth of like joyful stories and stories where everyone has really good intentions coming into the room. Um, even if feelings get hurt. And uh, that is like the, the, the feeling that I want to bring into yeah. audiences' lives. Um, and it's, it's kind of less like, I, I, I always feel like I write very emotionally. I'm always like, what is the emotional story we're telling? Yeah. Even more than, you know, logistically or what is the message? It's like, how does the audience feel when they're leaving this place? Right. And I just want them to feel so good and so uplifted and with a sense of wonder, too. Mm-hmm. You know, that was another thing that I really wanted the audience to have is, like, like how amazing science is and how amazing the world can actually be. Um, and that's why I put all this really wild scientific stuff <laughs> into the play. And um, for anybody listening right now, the designers for the show completely delivered. Oh, my God on uh, what it's, I wrote. That's the best design team. 
it is the I mean, best design yes. team and yes. the, the, the coolest stuff happens in this show. Uh, I mean, the surprises that happen technologically is so amazing. I am left with a sense of wonder when I leave the theater. That's and we also I, don't have any more electrical capacity in the first yes, stage. Yes, we've like, used all the electricity. Yeah. Like the when building. I see that a storm is coming, I get nervous because I think, uh-oh, like what, <laughs> what happens if... I know. Or, yeah, well, you know, we'll see today. And what a great thing to say. We used all the electricity yeah. in the building. And I don't think we've ever said that before. Um, to the, the takeaway question, um, as we've been navigating through previews, obviously we've been making some changes to the script. And I love the offering that the give, this gives a young person whose parents are going through a divorce or their parents are divorced because it is such a simple reminder that family really is what you make it. And this sort of like pat to married parents, that is the family unit, that that's the only one that functions. That's just not true, Yeah. right? And to represent that story on stage, I think is such a gift. Um, as far as this competition goes and this program goes, not the competition necessarily, uh, I know you know one of the finalists that's coming on Sunday. I know two of the finalists. Brittany and, and Ariana and Ariana right 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 yes, I'm, yes. I'm, she's only coming for two days which okay. is such a bummer but I'm really um, close with Brittany yeah she's one of my really good friends yes yeah, wonderful um someone next year who called you and said hey so I just got this phone call I'm a finalist <laughs> in the Candida competition um what do, what do I make of it what would you what is and this is helpful for me this is a selfish question what would you say to that person as far as taking full advantage of the opportunity? Um, oh my gosh. Um, well, the person who, who called me, uh, they, because I, I actually had two people call me because two of my friends are finalists for next year. Oh, right, um, yes, yes. And I think they, they both know full well what, the, what this competition means. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just to, just to add something here and say what it, what it really means is that there are a lot of very talented playwrights out there and it is very hard for their careers to move forward because I think everyone is waiting for someone to give a playwright playwright legitimacy yeah and to give that playwright legitimacy is usually like a big production at a big regional theater yes and very often, a lot of playwrights will go through a lot of readings and a lot of workshops and a lot of fellowships and never get that chance. And then you kind of never hear from them again because mm-hmm. they moved into TV uh-huh. uh, or they, they quit writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really like you're really waiting for like luck to come around and mm-hmm. give you that chance. Mm-hmm. And so that is one thing that the Candida Award really does better than any other award out there is it's not this uh, monetary award, which is you know fantastic, um, and it's not a relationship with the theater. It is a full production that kind of plants this stamp of approval on this playwright and says, mm. you know, they are now legitimized and they are ready to have a career in in the theater. And I mean, just looking at the past winners, that is exactly what happened to so many of them. Um, and so, you know, what I would say to people who are going to apply is, you know. Absolutely apply with the best thing that you can because there's no greater opportunity for an emerging writer out there than this award. And we read them all. Well, I read them all. Which is which is great because I, if you're a, if you're a finalist and you don't win, um, then you know 
really, really try to be best friends with Wadi here because, <laughs> <laughs> because the people at the Alliance, you know, particularly you and particularly Tinashe, um, who's the director of the play, um, y'all are just the most supportive and welcoming and giving uh, artists at a theater that I've ever really met. I mean, you really love the, the playwrights who apply to this competition and really try to foster them and get to know their work and get to know them. Get to know them. Which is like also one of the hardest things to do as a playwright is because so many theaters have the writers that they love, the writers yes. that they're developing, yes. and then hundreds of playwrights who have submitted work to their theater that they don't have the bandwidth to even read yet or read for right. another year. And right. so to have that just conversation to talk about your work is so hard to get. So, yeah, I would just say for any finalists. And we've been, in recent years, we have actually been having discussions about some of the finalist plays that we were so interested in making um, space for a slot programming for the next year. Mm. So that is starting to happen more and more. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Thank you for this conversation. It will not be the last one. <laughs> Thank you for the conversation. It was so nice talking again. Yeah. Not that we don't talk every All day. The time. Yeah. <laughs>